0: We're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 198, Godflesh. Hosted by Dan Terry. Absolutely. The uh, Predator. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Let's <laughs> try again. Uh. And Joseph Wren. That's what happens when you start your shit. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think the ghost of Sparta gets his power from the Godflesh, Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. It's time for Industrial December 2020. Industrial December
1: is back, ladies and gentlemen. And I couldn't be more excited to be bringing to you this molten, dark, evil slab of industrial metal known as Godflesh. I've been wanting to talk about Godflesh since the very first industrial December, but uh, I got outvoted. You know, I really wanted to talk about some other bands. I'm kidding. Those other bands were fine. And actually, I hadn't even really been thinking about Godflesh until we did the Pitch Shifter episode, which we'll get into some listener feedback later specifically about that episode. But I remember commenting that, that the first couple of Pitch Shifter albums reminded me a lot of Godflesh. And people probably were like, I don't understand that reference. But in the world of Spotify, you guys probably all stopped the podcast, went in, and decided to listen to the greatness that is Godflesh. And honestly, you're probably just sitting there being all like, whoa, (laughs) after the fact. So yeah, Godflesh, oh my God, best way to start Industrial December ever. This is probably, I mean, arguably the most metal band we're going to talk about this month so uh you know i kind of like to ease into the industrial a little bit and so that's what we're going to do for you guys tonight or you know whenever you're listening
0: to this episode 198 quickly approaching episode 200 do we want to let everybody know what we have in store no
1: no i don't if you're a patreon subscriber comment on this episode and i will let you know what is in store and speaking of patreon I want to take this time out to shout out our wonderful Patreon subscribers, which includes the likes of Josiah Heiberg, Luke Robinson, Brandon Miranda, Ken Zapla, Tantalized Funyuns, best name ever, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, David Brown, Samuel Woodward, Brian Dean, kiki cootie do you love me i do love you lance Allegood the king of metal alexander patrick aspland and jeffrey de los santos the actual mac thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for helping us pay our podcast bills and just for generally being encouraging I think that's the thing that I enjoy the most is the encouragement that you guys give us by being like, guys, we're going to give you a little bit of money to do the damn thing. And we try to do the damn thing for you guys every single week. And uh, if you ever feel like we're not doing that, you have the direct line to us. You can tell us. You can give us those suggestions. And that's what we want from you guys. Suggestions.
0: I did not expect when we started this podcast almost four years ago that we were going to have a community, but that is exactly what we have Between the Facebook groups, Discord, Instagram, Patreon, we're constantly getting feedback. We're constantly getting band suggestions. We don't want it to stop. 2021 is going to be a big year, and I can't wait for it. You want to read some of this feedback? You know what, Joe? I would like to read some
1: feedback, if that's cool. Over on Twitter, in reference to episode 128, Devil Driver, Gassius Clay says, I'm listening to the Devil Driver episode. Dan mentions listening to Horse the Band. Any chance of doing an episode on them? Well, (laughs) odds are, if you've been listening to the podcast, you will actually know that we have absolutely done that. And you've heard it now. And either you love us or you hate us for it. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Over on YouTube, we got a comment on episode 93, Pitch Shifter, uh, which, you know, uh, is very kind of in, in the essence of this episode. Dave Weston says... Pitch Shifter are my all-time favorite band, so I'm really pleased you took the time to check their discography. I'm not necessarily qualified to comment on your Nine Inch Nails comparison. I mean, I love Nine Inch Nails and was well aware of and enjoyed Pretty Hate Machine and Downward Spiral on their release, but I was predominantly listening to Pitch Shifter and then Pitch Shifter, so I didn't really make any connection between the two. I can definitely understand that. Obviously, .com is seen as the watershed moment by many many pitch shifter fans had tolerated infotainment, but.com was a step too far. However, they gained a lot more fans than they lost. And I think you missed out on some of the dynamics that brought that change. Yeah, man. I mean, it's entirely possible that we may have missed a little bit of the dynamics. Um, dot com. I mean, if, if we're just being straight, like brass tacks, I'm a guy that's used to listening to metal (laughs) and uh, com was just not that for me. I think I did still kind of enjoy the record, but, um, I mean, we're talking a year ago now, so I'll have to go back and listen to exactly what I said. And uh, I will absolutely jump on YouTube and give you confirmation uh, on that. So I appreciate it. Um, Dude wrote us a book. I always like it when people write us a book. I just don't always necessarily have time to read it on the show. But that's all good. And I will respond to that one personally as soon as I listen to the Pitch Shifter episode again.
0: Well, before Dan reads and records audiobooks and the Palpatine voice, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio twitch.tv forward slash discuss metal dan for all of your game streaming and live episode recordings so if you have an amazon echo or a google home you have no excuse ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast and it will we're also on facebook and on twitter at discuss metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews We do love our five-star reviews here on Discography
1: Discussion. Leave us a review on whatever podcasting app that you're listening to us on, unless it's YouTube, in which case just like, I don't know, leave a comment or something and say like, hey, cool, or hey, terrible. You know, it just really depends on how you feel about what we had to say on that particular episode. One thing that you guys have been doing that I really enjoy is sharing the episodes with your friends and family on all of your social media platforms, be that Facebook, Twitter, whatever the new ones are Mayway, way or whatever it is people are the kids are using now actually i don't think the kids are using me we i think like the older generation's using that now not really sure why not really gonna get into it but we are there so if you want to check us out there you can absolutely check us out there uh because we, we we are everywhere because the way i look at it man the more social media that's out there that's just free real estate so uh, we're just going to move in. We're going to make sure that we take up that discussion metal URL uh, that's there and uh, we will invade whatever social media platform that you're on. So definitely keep sharing the episode guys keep telling everybody how awesome you think this podcast is and uh, you know I really 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 appreciate every single one of you and that's not just a thing that I say literally whenever I see these episodes shared I'm just completely blown away so thank you so much.
0: So Dan it's time Tell me about Godflesh. Joe, oh my
1: God. (laughs) Godflesh is an English industrial metal band from Birmingham, England. Fuck yeah, they they are. Absolutely. They have been around since 1982. These guys understand what it means to make heavy music because they've been there since the beginning. One of the most interesting things about Godflesh for me is that Justin Broderick, He's the dude that played guitar on Napalm Death's Scum, well, Side 1. We kind of got into this earlier about how, you know, Side 1 of Scum by Napalm Death was played by one band, the original Napalm Death, and then Side 2 was played by a bunch of new guys uh, that would go on to kind of define grindcore as we know it. Um, You know, whatever. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if this dude played played guitar on Side 1, of uh of napalm Death scum that practically makes us family this guy is a guy that you want to you you really 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 want to become acquainted with because justin broderick is the man not broderick broderick not like matthew broderick you know not i'm not talking about like the dude that was simba in the lion king (laughs) i cannot stress enough how heavy this band is i know that this is industrial december and this band absolutely checks that box in that they have electronic drums they have a lot of electronic elements, uh, a lot of a lot of soundscapes. But at the same time, they play some of the heaviest music I've ever heard. And that's saying a lot coming from me because I've heard a lot of heavy bands, guys. I mean, that's kind of the things that we do, right? We, we talk about heavy bands on the show. This band is the real deal. And it may not be heaviness in the way that you're thinking of. We're not talking a billion beats per second and some dude growling over it like a dying calf. Don't get me wrong, they still have that. But Godflesh is wholly unique in the sense that a lot of industrial bands tend to have a little bit of a pop sensibility to them. Godflesh is like, if by by pop sensibility you mean doom metal, then sure, (laughs)
0: we have pop sensibilities. In a world where Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, did not exist, you didn't have the comparison or what I would consider to be the logical comparison. Is this band industrial? I don't know. Does it sound like Nine Inch Nails? I can see the scene before that record was a thing where many minds were all playing with the same toys. Everybody had a synthesizer. They had a drum machine. And they were programming these sounds. They were trying to create something new. They were trying to create something mechanical. They were trying to make something that sounded different but had intensity in a way that it had never been presented before. Sounds like a very metal concept to me. So where Trent Reznor is writing rock songs and eventually releases Pretty Hate Machine, Godflesh releases Street Cleaner, and boy, does it have a drum machine. It's like a belt
1: from hell. I mean... Shit, man. Street Cleaner is, yes, it has a drum machine. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Not a problem for me. I will admit that the drumming is not the highlight here, especially when the music is this slow. (laughs) It's not slow like My Dying Bride. Like, I'm not trying to necessarily, like, like the doom metal comparison is really more of a joke than anything else. But this is some of the heaviest, slowest, sludgiest industrial metal you'll ever hear. With vocals that just sound like a dude who all of his best friends died at the same time. And then as they were dying, his family was blown up in a bus. Like, dude is just anguished. Like, it is just guttural. But it's not guttural like a... Cookie monster, I ate my cookies yesterday. Like, it's not like that. It is guttural. It is intense. But it's also just very despairing. Street Cleaner is not an album that you're going to listen to if you're having problems. I
0: definitely would not recommend it. I love the 80s, early 90s cardboard box sounding guitars that just sound hopeless and completely lacking of mids. Like you're inside a room, but it's a small room and you're shoved in and you're just scraping guitars trying to make noise. Mix that with a plain drum machine. Do that live. Was it original? It definitely was more original at the time because what would you compare this to in 1989 other than Nine Inch Nails or New Wave? I don't think you'd be comparing it to Nine Inch Nails, but I mean,
1: I don't hear New Wave, man. I hear a band that... I mean, I hear a guy that was into extreme metal and was like, how do I how do I do the extreme thing that I did in Napalm Death but like how do I do that in a way that's different and sets me aside this is industrial in a lot of ways that isn't really influenced by the new wave in a lot of the bands that we talk about in Dis- in, in industrial December are bands that have a very strong new wave or pop rock influence whereas God Flesh is a metal band first and foremost absolutely Man. And so they don't draw influences the same way that maybe, you know, a band like nine inch nails would, or even a band like pit shifter would. Although you can definitely tell that those dudes in pit shifter were listening to some Godflesh, flesh, uh, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> these guys more on street cleaner. They basically wrote the book on how to do industrial metal and it'd still be heavy. It'd be very like groove laden and just down and out. You know, like we talk about bands sometimes, like industrial bands that sound futuristic or like give you kind of a cyberpunk or, or Blade Runner type of feel. But like Godflesh is more like a post-apocalyptic feeling, where like the corporations won, and the only thing that's alive is is, is factories and smokestacks everywhere. That's the vibe that they're putting off on Street Cleaner. Um, it's not a positive record. It's not a fun record. But it is absolutely one of the most important industrial metal records out there because this is just a true output of emotion, but there's no sap, the emotion is despair. And that's what you're gonna get through Street Cleaner. And honestly, it's probably my favorite Godflesh record, just straight up. Not that the other ones are shit, we'll talk about them. But I think this one is the absolute thesis, the absolute master statement of what this band is all about
0: there is no new wave on this album i make that statement only to set the stage for what the listener would be thinking in 1989 is there another example of brutal metal that uses a drum machine like this that uses the industrial sounds that everybody had access to but They weren't all trying to create something that sounds this hopeless. I'm
1: thinking dude did not have a good life. He did not have a good upbringing. And this is just what you get. You know, I don't know what Birmingham was like in the 80s, but evidently it was not a great place to be. If street cleaner is any indication. But I mean, if you're looking for pure heaviness, you really can't go wrong with this record. And there's a lot of purists out there would say, how do you have a super heavy band with without real drums? Well, this is how you do it. Go listen to slaves. Go listen to street cleaner by Godflesh.
0: play as heavy and dirgy and dissonant as you possibly can and just make the riffs sound hopeless. Now add robots. This isn't Herbie Hancock talking about rocket here. This is play the most depressing sounds you possibly can. I love the old drum machine sounds that sound like they were slowed down on purpose just to make them more hopeless. The record is amazing. It's a good template. I can see a lot of bands drawing influence from it. I don't think it's their best sounding record, but maybe it has some of their best songs or has the most appeal to go back to and say, you want to do it right, this is how you do it. How would you rank this up against a Circle of Dust?
1: That's a hard comparison to make because Circle of Dust is more of like a thrash influence band, whereas here, you have more of almost like a doom like a Doom influence. I mean, if I had to pick, I would say Godflesh is heavier. Circle of Dust is more interesting. But at the same time, Circle of Dust also doesn't have... The deep emotional impact that this record has for me. When I'm feeling down, I listen to Street Cleaner. Don't do that, but I do it. <laughs> this is a this is a do as I say, not as I do type of type of situation. Um, but yeah, how does it stack up to a Circle of Dust? A uh, Circle of Dust is certainly more more um, fast metal, you know. But Street Cleaner is is kind of a beast all on its own. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. If I'm being honest, like it's just. Um, I love both bands, obviously, but I like them for very different reasons. Uh, Circle of Dust, when I just want to be brutal, uh, that's what I'm going to get into. And when I when I want to be super brutal in a different way, I listen to Godflesh, right? So, like, it's, uh, it's hard.
0: 1992, pure. So, Joe, we're
1: actually going to get a different song called Mothra, uh, one that is definitely not kept at the same pace nor played by a real drummer.
0: you cannot compare Mothra to Mothra versus the world. Let's play.
1: Pure is the absolute necessary follow-up to street cleaner because it absolutely continues on in the same vein, except for the fact that like street cleaner might sound a little bit more dry and don't get me wrong for me. That's a, that's a feature, not a bug uh, that street cleaner sounds dry. Uh, But Pure, Pure starts off more or less in the same vein as Street Cleaner. But as the record goes on, they start introducing more of like an atmospheric sound. The riffs are a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more finesse to the songwriting on Pure. And so while it is absolutely an improvement to Street Cleaner, I still like Street Cleaner more because of how raw it is. Whereas they're kind of trying to make it a little bit more appealing here. So there is a little bit of kind of melodic stuff going on. So like street cleaner, it was like, let's just be straight dirge and let's be depressing. And you're only going to feel it one way when you, when you listen to it, uh, pure has a little bit of that. Hey, check out this cool baseline I came up with, you know, like that sort of stuff. So like it's pure is pure might actually be the more interesting record to listen to which I can't fault the band for, like, who who wouldn't want that? You know, like, who wouldn't want the record that you're like, oh, this was cool, or I like this idea. So, like, with Pure, I, I, I it has a special place in my heart because I feel like it is a very good progression from Street Cleaner, but Street Cleaner had just such a strong impact on me right out the gate that uh, as much as I like this record, it sounds a little bit lighter, but just a little bit. This is still, like, the heaviest shit you've ever heard.
0: In my head, this is what it sounds like when Dan goes off on his own, tries to create an industrial dirge of a record, and the best he can do is street cleaner, give that to Joe, and then I take it and say, well, we can make this sound better. And the whole time Dan is saying, no, it's not supposed to sound better. Why would you make it sound better? It sounds hopeless, and that's the point. And then you get Pure that has the same ideas but is – cosmetically more appealing. It's more clear what the ideas are here. I don't think the ideas are better, and I don't think that they change the entire feel of the band. It doesn't all of a sudden have melodic choruses or it's 1992, so it doesn't automatically sound like Alice in Chains. It still sounds like this hopeless atmosphere of, are you in a hole? Do you want to be in the hole? here's what's going on in the hole with the rest of us. No, it doesn't get better. It's not going to get better as long as we're here in this hole together.
1: I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I think, I think pure is awesome. I just, I think street cleaner still gives it the edge and I'm sorry that like every single record we talk about, I'm going to compare to street cleaner, but you have to understand I've got this record on cassette and CD. I don't have it on vinyl, but you know, someday. Right. But like, I just, I like what I like about pure is the vocals aren't as guttural and they might just be a hair better at actually displaying some level of human emotion uh, than street cleaner did. But you know, I'm disgust metal Dan, so I'm not like as concerned about like real human emotion as much (laughs) as I am just, just uh, right. So like that, that's my emotion. I think, I think pure is, is fantastic. Uh but once we get to Selfless, um things start getting really interesting.
0: 1994. So with Selfless
1: what you have is a record label in this case earache. They're like, "Okay, so metalheads, metalheads like Godflesh. How do we get people that aren't metalheads to like
0: Godflesh?" Well, you failed to hire an actual drummer. You're still trying to make the drum machine work. And that's not going to work in 1994 if your name is not Trent Reznor. I hate to say it, but it's true. Mainstream appeal—that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I think
1: it works. I think this absolutely fails at trying to capture a more mainstream audience because, like, you can't take dudes like Godflesh and be like, "All right, guys, let's go a little bit more pop." And then they release like, a, they, they re- like they release a, a track called uh, Xenobis, right? And like or Zenobis and they're like yeah that was super mainstream right we we did like rock tracks or whatever and it's like no guys you fucked up it's a, it's it's a, it's a 5 minute dirge like <laughs> well why, why would you do that and they're like yeah i mean like but at, at the end of the day we're still god flesh like like we're, we're trying here and they're like no you can you, you can't release a 6 minute song like imperial and expect mainstream audiences to like that like did you guys even re- did you guys even read the letter we sent you like this doesn't this doesn't make any sense you know like and they're like no it's cool like we threw some clean vocals in like i'm not as guttural with my with my delivery like i think that like metalhead's girlfriends are gonna like this and they're like guys this is not what we signed up for and so like but but in all seriousness like this is absolutely the band trying to go in a more mainstream direction but like they're still fucking godflesh dude and I think that that's the whole thing. So, like, yeah, the songs might kind of have a little bit more of a traditional song structure than we had before. But, like, you're still using digital drums in 1994, mind you. And you're you're still tuned down to, like, A, or you're playing an eight-string guitar. I don't remember when the dude brought up the eight-string guitar, but it definitely happens. Uh, so, like, this is still an outrageously heavy record. And it's funny to me, and it's been a couple of episodes since I've called out the absolute douchebags that are on Metalarchives.com uh, that are talking about that are talking about this record. And they're like, this is the one they sold out on because there's clean vocals on it. Um, yeah, there's clean vocals on it, but like this isn't like Slipknot or Lincoln Park clean vocals. Like this is like the clean vocals are like ethereal and like super creepy and like fit with the overall mood of the record. And I think that three albums in, Godflesh is really starting to hit that stride of like, we're gonna create a mood on the record, but we're gonna mess with it a little bit. Like obviously Street Cleaner creates a mood. Like from, from from second from second three, right? Like you're like, okay, I know what this is gonna be like. Uh Selfless really kind of plays with that. They there's a lot more variety on selfless. And honestly, like if Street Cleaner didn't exist, this would probably be my favorite Godflesh album because it's probably the most listenable of their albums up to this point. While keeping in mind that this is still Godflesh, this is still one of the heaviest bands in the world, even though there's re- realistically only like two guys in the band vocalist, guitar player, and bass player, right? And then, you know, some dudes like IBM Laptop, right? So, like, I get it. But, like, I really, really liked the progression on this record. I liked that their emotional soundscapes are more dynamic than they have been in the past. I think this band just, they 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 started with street cleaner, and then they're like, okay, how do we expand that? But they still keep it basically in the same spirit, and that's what I like the most about it. Uh, Dance music, this is not. This is not club music. As Joe said, this is not New Wave. This is... This is metal. This is slow, dirgy, in-your-face metal. And no matter how hard you try, you're not going to be able to mainstreamize
0: that. They definitely tried on this album. I may be remembering the 90s wrong, but 1994, I'm pretty sure that's when Europop started to invade our radio and television and late-night commercials about compilations, about atmospheric music that comes from the other side of the planet. I could see someone who is trying to sell me Chumbawamba tell Godflesh that they should record a positive-sounding record. And if they are as hopeless songwriters as you believe them to be, this might be the most positive thing they could have recorded, but it's still a seven-minute dirge. I like that the drum machine has not changed. The guitars are clearly mixed like it was 1994. You have these atmospheric sounding vocals on the top with reverb and delays it's like somebody was trying to create a record that was not what this band does and they were trying their absolute best to force it to be that way I could see some of these songs, like Zenobis, getting edited down, nobody asked the band, of course, and played on the radio alongside the other atmospheric-sounding songs that had drum machines that year. They could try. They wouldn't pull it off, because once you get to bigot, you're back in Godflesh territory. And I'm not even trying to say that this band's only good at doing one thing,
1: but, I mean, the one thing is so good, though. You know, like it scratches that itch for me. And yeah, they were trying to go more mainstream in this record. I don't think that they really succeeded in that. But I do think that there's a general sense of like, okay, if you're going to throw more money at us to do a record, we're willing to play ball, at least to a certain degree. And so when you get to Songs of Love and Hate, this is the ultimate expression of that. 1996. Songs of Love and Hate has a human drummer. For the very first time on in the history God of the band. godflesh
0: record? How
1: dare you? Blasphemy. Not <laughs> in my house. Not in my house, absolutely. Dude, it's fine. I mean, is it blasphemous for me to be all, like, I kind of like the human element more on this record? Because, like, yeah, sure. This record is, for lack of a better term, all over the place. You get absolute godflesh bangers or what you would consider to be a banger from god flesh which is like what a seven minute song that's super slow uh but also like balls out heavy so this record incorporates a little bit more of that like um i want to say mainstream rock because it's really not like here's the thing you could say it's more mainstream rock but it's like still so heavy they're like this is never going to get played on like you know mainstream rock this is not going to get played on like uh Whatever, what is that satellite? Right, Octane. Like this, is this never gonna get played on Octane. This is always gonna get played on the Metal Station.
0: This is my favorite record by the band.
1: I can see that because really, with this with this record, this is where they throw all their influences at the wall because they're like, well, we have a human drummer now, so like people are gonna criticize us about that. And this is where I feel like the vocals go a little bit less, a little bit death, a little bit less death doom. And a little bit more hardcore. So the, the more abrasive vocals are, are more like hardcore shouts and screams and stuff. Uh, and then there's yeah obviously some of the clean vocals that they've been peppering in. Um, but the riffs are a little bit more bouncy, a little bit more upbeat. Still heavy as fuck, but like bouncy and upbeat. And like there's even, I dare hate to say it, a little bit of a hip
0: hop influence going on here. If you are banking on the dirge being driven by the drum machine, I'm sure you hate this. But you're wrong because the dirge of Godflesh is the atmosphere they create and they found somebody that could play the drums and give me that same feeling, but it feels more complete. It feels like the previous records are lacking... 100% human hatred of all things positive. This one is tuned too low for the majority of the listeners. It's not in a key that anybody wants to hear. The vocals seem to be in a different room. It actually sounds like I'm listening to the band perform and they've set up the stage backwards it sounds like i'm standing behind the band while they play and the sounds are going away from me that is it creates a tunnel of hopelessness i keep saying that word but it keeps applying to the band it sounds like you're falling and you haven't hit the bottom yet and you're not going to hit the bottom I
1: think what's interesting about this record is some of the songs are positive. At least they start off that way. But what ends up happening is that positivity ends up getting thrown down a flight of steps by the end of almost every song that starts off positive. But I will say this. This is probably the first Godflesh album that's moshable. Like, you could go to a show and throw down to these tracks. Whereas every Godflesh record up to this point has been, like, stand in the back, arms folded. Hey man, that was a really sick set. It like really spoke to me, <laughs>
0: you know? Oh, thanks um, Dan. We're glad you came to the show. Hopefully you feel just as bad as you did when you came in because we are not here to lift you up. Absolutely not. And I, I think this is a really cool record. It's a little bit more,
1: it's a little bit more of an experimental Godflesh album, but not nearly
0: as experimental as us and them. We're doing this now. Oh dude, we're in it. 1999, us and them. So we're back to an
1: electronic drummer. Not really sure what went down there, <laughs> but uh, I think possibly the band just felt like, you know, we're God flesh. We're supposed to have electronic drums. Do you remember how I said that the last album had like kind of in kind
0: of a hip hop influence? You definitely said that. And I did not agree. I agree now. And it's not so much a hip hop influence as it is a DJ influence. And I'm talking late nineties, DJs, the ones that bought the pack of loops and created the aggressive over the top beats that are on every remix from that era. You know them, you love them. If you like the crystal method, you know what I'm talking about. The record flat out opens with that beat.
1: I'm not the biggest fan of this record. Because I can't help but feel like this is very much in the same vein as Songs of Love and Hate, but it's not as good. (laughs) Like, and I don't really, I can't really put my finger on as to why. And when I say it's not as good, I still think it's a great album. Like, one of my favorite Godflesh songs is bittersweet. So, like, that should say something, you know? But I'm not as big of a fan of the mostly clean sung vocals. Not even though I think that his vocals are bad. It's just not what I'm
0: looking for out of Godflesh. When you listen to Godflesh, what is it that you want to hear? Street Cleaner. Every time. What is it about Street Cleaner that is perfect? What is it about Street Cleaner that defines Godflesh? It's not how raw it is. It can't be that. I mean, it's partially
1: that. I mean, obviously, they're spending a little bit more money recording these records, and i actually do like the clean vocals that are on these records i like that the riffs are interesting again they're still super heavy and it sounds like i'm trashing this album this is not the part of the episode where i'm gonna be all like "And this is where the band started to suck because i don't think that they do suck i think they're great here i think it's interesting what Godflesh thinks is mainstream music <laughs> uh because this is not that at all this absolutely is absolutely not this this is so far removed from what you would consider to be mainstream music but I can see I can kind of see why they think that because they are going for more of like a more listenable sound but they can't help it those riffs are still super heavy they're still in your face but they're a little bit more bouncy they're a little bit more upbeat and and I love that about it but like, I feel like this record just kind of experimented a little bit too much and isn't as cohesive as some of the other Godflesh material. Because like, sure, you can say Street Cleaner's not as good of a record because it only focuses on one sound, but I think if you make a profound sound, I think it's okay to kind of stick with that. Maybe not this many albums in, you know, like I didn't come in with some unrealistic expectation that Godflesh was going to only sound like Street Cleaner the entire time. There's no way a band like that could sustain that sound. So, like, I get why they're branching out. Any self respected musician isn't going to just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Looking at you, Slayer. <laughs> but, like, so I, like, I really enjoy some of the ideas on this record. But I think a lot of the ideas are very reminiscent of Songs in Love and Hate. So in that regard I just think that they continued on in a style that maybe maybe they weren't super
0: comfortable with. When I listen to Godflesh, I am expecting a run-on sentence of unhappiness expressed through music. This is the first time and yes, some of it is the choices in the drum machine department. It's also the late nineties where every movie soundtrack that had even a slight hint of sci-fi had those songs by those artists. So I don't blame Godflesh for using beats in 1999. That sounded like 1999. It's just the first time that that run on sentence sounds like it's getting help from someone else. And even when they had a human drummer, it sounded more like Street Cleaner from the overall atmosphere, the overall sound of the record. This is the first time it really sounds like and there's really no better way to say it. This is the first time it sounds like Godflesh remixed themselves. And that's not bad. It's just not what I'm looking for when I'm listening to when I'm listening to this band.
1: I totally agree. But if you wanted the band to ever kind of revert back to a sound, you got to check out
0: hymns, dude. 2001. We're going old school circa 1983, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Well, I think with hymns. So this is the return
1: of the human drummer. This record, you could almost say is not even industrial metal, really. They've gone back to a very riff-based style. And you've got a human drummer, which, again, like I said in the past, I think the results of that are great. But what you have is a more, um, the band describes it as a hard rock record. I don't know, like, what kind of crack they're smoking. This (laughs) This is still heavy as fuck metal. Like, it's very, very intense. Vocals are more hardcore, almost even, like, Guttural, like almost like that Street Cleaner sound. Uh, I don't think Hymns is, good, is as good of a record as Street Cleaner, but um, this is this is the most listenable in the sense that you've got guitar, bass, and drums and vocals.
0: It's a full band writing original songs while playing previous material. That's what it sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, so it's not it's not so much industrial. It's more of just like a traditional metal band
0: at this point. That is trying to be as hopeless as possible. Oh, my God. It's so hopeless.
1: <laughs> it's so dark. And, like, if I'm being totally honest, I do think that this record definitely overstates its welcome. It's very long. And, like, you know, for some people, that's a good thing. And for me, it's a good thing, depending on what day it is. But, like, it really, really starts to grate on me after a while. Like, I love it. I love that it's dark and it's dingy and it's, it's all the things that I love about Godflesh except it has a, it has a human drummer, so it's like a little bit more real. But at the end of the day, like this is I feel like people will feel like this is a return to form record. And it's not really that because if, if it was a return to form record, they would not have a human drummer. you know like and it would be there would still be electronic elements there. This is the least electronic. Uh, this is the least electronic Godflesh album, and I'm I'm fine with
0: it. Are you looking for those electronics when you listen to Godflesh, or is it just this is what I remember the band sounding like, so I want it to sound this way? To be totally honest, I'm just here for the riffs, and this record has that. Like, if
1: these guys ever sped up and went like old school death metal, like I wouldn't be surprised at all, and that's what I like about them. I like that they have that restraint and that they they really. Pour as much feeling and atmosphere into every song as they can. So, I mean, in that regard, this record is a success. I think it's a little bit long, but it's more it's more
0: the godflesh that I want. If you think it's long, you should be listening to the special edition, because that's what I bought this week.
1: <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that the special edition has a totally second disc. I mean, it's it's too much. It's too much, guys. Too much. And I mean Yeah. So that, that was their last record before they decided to kind of split up. Right.
0: I mean, it was 13 years between hymns and the next one, which we're about to get to. They had
1: taken, they had taken a long time. They, I mean, I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't know what all the personal politics that were involved in the band, basically breaking up or at the very least going on a hiatus, but
0: seriously, dude. Holy fucking shit. 2014, a world lit only by fire. So are you trying to tell me that the world itself is actually on fire? Or are we going pre-electricity, pre-natural gas, and we're talking about a world where if you wanted to see what was going on, you had to light fire and sit by it or wait for the sun to come up. Only it's God flesh. The sun is not coming up. You are going to be in darkness or in firelight. What sun?
1: <laughs> what sun? There's no sun here. Uh, it's only lit by fire. There, There is no sun. Okay. I think that like, okay, this is how you do it, people. If you're going to be gone for 13 years, this is how you return. Because like, there's Godflesh fans. You know there are. You know they're out there. And they want to hear the Godflesh that they... They want to hear the Godflesh that they're used to. And they get that, except that it's like 2014 production versus 2001 production. So when I say this is one of the heaviest Godflesh albums, I am not, like, I'm not messing with you. I'm not trying to, like, sell you something that's poppy that's not. This is them going back to what they would consider to be their traditional sound. Two guys, guitarist, vocalist, bass player, and a laptop, (laughs) you know. The drums are totally fake. They're totally dru- they're totally programmed drums, and I don't care because I'm only here for the riffs. I'm here for that dark dark atmosphere. And this is arguably one of the heaviest Godflesh albums
0: ever released. Where do I begin? 2014 was not the year you release this type of record.
1: I mean, if you got this thing, you know, in the books I think any year you release it is fantastic.
0: What was going on in 2014? We were all getting away from metalcore in whatever form it was in. People were trying to reinvent themselves or take advantage of musical trends and feature people on their records that tried to create sounds versus create music. And everything was changing, kinda. Then... Godflesh returns from seemingly nowhere, because it had been 13 years. I can speak as a friend of Dan. He did not expect Godflesh to release a new album, but when they did, it was the only thing he talked about for a good three, four, five, six weeks. Not because it was good, but because it was good and it was so different from everything that everyone, regardless of your personal tastes, had been listening to for the past 10 years. It had been a while and it was welcome.
1: It's a return to heavy. It's a return to I mean the last record was heavy, sure. but like this is heavy in a different way. this is this is after I've spent a decade listening to breakdowns and you know, like all that all that shit that like modern bands will tell you is heavy. Instead of getting back to the root of what heaviness is, which is just dark, slow, anguish-filled riffs. Heavy music isn't necessarily about making you feel good. And I think a lot of modern metal in 2014 really kind of felt like you were supposed to feel good when you were listening to it. Godflesh brought the dirge on this record in a way that no other band really had brought it that year. And it absolutely is a return to form. Is it Street Cleaner part two? It kind of is that in a in a certain degree. It kind of is that. But it's uh, it doesn't quite strike me the way Street Cleaner does, but I think that's mostly nostalgia talking. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like I appreciate hearing Godflesh with kind of kind of more modern production behind it and it having that modern heaviness, but also it still being godflesh, so they're like, Yeah we're going to play this extremely heavy riff and we're going to let that fucker ring out and we're going to let you like really really feel it like right in your scroat. like you're going to feel it and and I mean a world, lit by, a, a world lit only by fire is the way you do a comeback record because you're going to pull in fans that didn't even know that Godflesh was a band and they're going to listen to this and they're going to be like holy crap this band's super heavy what else they got and then they go back and they, they find Street Cleaner and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is what I want.
0: I listen to this record and I feel like the Emperor has condemned me not to die, but to walk around connected to a very large chain that itself may be... Just a little too heavy to walk around with comfortably. Maybe there's some weight on the end of it. Just enough to make moving around a chore. And that's the rest of your life. You have to walk around dragging this chain. Still able to get from place to place, but it is a physical struggle to get there every single time. And when you think it lets up, it doesn't. It has moments of double bass and bringing the feel and bringing the feel up but then it goes right back to it the guitars don't really change you're not supposed to feel good when you listen to Godflesh and they remind everyone that that is how it's supposed to be when you're listening to this band
1: I mean it's a a solid 9 out of 10 for me I don't usually rate albums on this podcast but it's a 9 out of 10 it's fantastic
0: 2017 post self so here's the deal guys
1: they gave us the street cleaner slash pure slash selfless sound uh, on a world that only by fire they did a really good job of condensing their first three albums into one for that record for a comeback record because it's like if you're a fan of the early god flesh you're gonna love this record but then they put out post self and it's more like songs of love and hate and us and them they're 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 going into the the rehash of the epic sequel of what is god flesh but they still keep the they still keep the guttural vocals in there right because in 2017 guttural vocals are a little bit more acceptable in the mainstream rock and metal world so you still have that heavy vocal but you have a more atmospheric record, you have a more emotional record, a more melodic record. And I think it succeeds on all cylinders. And to be totally honest with you, I like it more than A World Lit by Fire. Because for whatever reason, whenever they were experimenting with all of these sounds back on those old records, I feel like they missed the mark in a couple of places. But on Post Self, they hit that mark every time. It is one of the freshest releases in the past four years for me, I still listen to it all the time now. Like, I think there's more to go back to here. It's not as much fan service. It's not like we're going to give you the God flesh that you want. It's more of like, Hey, we're still experimenting. We're still doing kind of like, we're trying to find ways to make our sound more palatable, but instead of resorting to like traditional hard rock song structures, we're just going to try to create an atmosphere and a mood, which is what we're the best at, but it's going to be different than what you're used to. And I, I love this record so much. I love the haunting clean vocals. I like the gutturals. I like the heavy riffs, but I like, I like kind of more of the soundscape aspect of it. I think they came relatively full circle here. And so the new God Flesh is still doing what the old God Flesh was doing, but they're giving equal amount of attention to, to both eras of the band. And I think that's pretty unique. Final thoughts on Godflesh. Dan. Heaviest band ever. But if you're not here for that, this band has a lot to offer in the mood and emotion department. And so I think that you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you're not listening to Godflesh. They're one of the best bands that you've probably never heard. So check them out.
0: I think Godflesh is a band that latched on to a formula of discomfort very early on. And while they deviated from that along the way, they never really let go of that intention, that original mindset. We talk a lot about bands that are the heaviest, the most intense, the most atmospheric The most metal. If I told you right now to create a sound that did not sound okay, Godflesh would win the contest. They might not be the most technically sound band in the world. They might not be the most complex. They might not be the most original. But however they have chosen to put Their music together They are the only band That effectively Sounds like You're not having a good time So if you are a fan of The heaviest band You've never heard in your life You need to be listening to Godflesh Because it's not What you're expecting And you are not going to be Comfortable with the result Damn what's your album of the week I mean shit man my album of the week it's street cleaner by godflesh honestly i expected nothing else except for zeo i'm always expecting the answer to be zeo sometimes it's zeo but not this week i couldn't decide if i wanted my week to sound better than what godflesh was giving me the end result was not pleasant although it was not nearly as downtrodden as this band My album of the week was Ursus Americanus by Author and Punisher. Ooh, I love it. Because how do you make this kind of music with all electronics and make it sound like a dirge? You actually play the music. We should do
1: that one on Patreon.
0: Absolutely. It's an older one.
1: But it's great. Take us out, DFT. If you have ever been listening to this podcast and you wonder, hey, man. Can you guys talk about a band that I actually care about? I mean, I can't read your mind, so the best thing that you can do is reach out to us. And you can do that in a variety of different ways. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can tweet at us at Discuss Metal. You can join our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our Discord server. You can always comment on one of our YouTube videos. You can join us on Patreon, where you can send us suggestions 24-7 at patreon.com slash discography discussion. You would be surprised how far $1 will actually go on the Patreon. We're not, we're not greedy, but, you know, extra content. You want extra content? You'll get it with $1. We, we have uh, individual album reviews. They are incredible, so check them out. If you want to represent this podcast out on the street, check out our Teespring store. We have a link in the show notes that'll take you to our Teespring store that has all kinds of awesome discography discussion merch for you to check out and to uh, impress all of your friends and family with. And, you know, so, I mean, if you you don't reach out to us, it's kind of your fault because there's like so many different ways to reach out to us. If you're just in love with the sound of my voice, you can watch me on Twitch two nights a week twitch.tv slash Disgust Metal. Dan, I am streaming two times a week, Mondays at 10.30 p.m. Central and Thursdays at 10.30 p.m. Central. I'll be playing video games and it's kind of a hangout, so if you want to ask me a question or find out cool stuff, you can absolutely watch me on there, hit that follow button, and you will get notified every time I go live. I do Brutally Speaking Podcast live on Wednesdays at 8.30 Central Standard Time. So check it out guys. Just just, you know, get in
0: on there. Ask us lots of questions. We're gonna love it. And on that note, this has been episode 198 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit Discussmetal.com for all things discography discussion, and please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discussmetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed.